Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 23 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, Rachel and I are going to answer a question. It's going to take the whole session to answer this question because it's a big one. In fact, we could probably do two podcasts on this one, but we'll see if we can get it all done in one. So the question, we're going to play the question and then Rachel and I are going to dig in. Here we go. Hi, I just wanted to see if you could do a podcast on um, parenting and or co-parenting dealing after separation from an abusive person and um, any advice on, on how to help the children through this process. And especially when they might have allotted amount of time to go with dad and um, just his houses run very differently than mine. And um, maybe if you had, I don't know if you had children or not, but how um, you went through that and how you encourage your kids um, through this process, Um, especially when there's times when, you know, overnights, whenever they, they're not, with you and you're not sure what's going on. Um, but yet you see how hard it is on them and, um, yeah, any advice or resources would be great. (laughs) Thank you. Rachel, do you want to, do you have any initial thoughts? Well, I think the biggest thing here is just, um, the overall attitude, I think, as we tackle this challenge of trying to be there in the way that our kids need us is just having empathy with them, being in this journey with them. They're suffering, you're suffering. It's not something that can ever be glossed over because it's always going to be there. And so the best way forward is just to go through it with them and be alongside them and know that they're hurting, you're hurting, you have to grieve, they have to grieve. And, um, it hurts and it sucks and it's not ever what you wanted for them. You wanted a father for them who was going to be there and who was going to be, um, you know, the ideal godly dad, um, you know, show them Jesus, et cetera. But it's not, that's not the truth. That's not the reality that happened. And so what's, what are you going to do about that? And, and I think the, the key there is just being empath- empathetic and, and being there with your kids and trying to understand um, their hearts because they're just in so much pain and they need us to be um, a stable source of that love and support on top of all the other things we have to do as if, you know, there wasn't enough. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it feels overwhelming. It, it is. It it's, absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one of the most... Um, you really do feel like you're drowning. I mean, getting out of the marriage, you're focusing on getting out of the marriage or getting yourself to a place of safety. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of energy there sometimes Mm -hmm. because you've reached the end of your ropes. You've got all this energy and you make that final push. You jump off the cliff and you do it. But now now that you're free falling, you're realizing all of the... And it is good to... I hope there are some people who are listening who haven't actually made that plunge yet who are thinking... You know, I think that this is one of the biggest thoughts that runs through our heads is, well, what about my kids? Yes. um, What's going to be in their best interest? Is it in their best interest for me to um, be separated from their dad for a while? Hopefully we can get back together. Um, 
generally speaking, these guys don't really change though. So often a separation will end up being the catalyst for an actual divorce. Um, Mm -hmm. not always, but often. And then, and then what, you know, is it better that they're raised in a family where there's a lot of fighting and where there's a lot of lying and a lot of abuse going on? Or is it better to be raised in a, uh, what, what the, what we would call a broken family where the, the kids are being carted back and forth. And there's just a lot of questions about statistically what is better for kids And I think um, from my reading, I have learned that, and also from my personal experience and from watching other people go through this, I have learned that um, statistically kids do better as long if they have at least one parent or one adult in their life who is emotionally intelligent, who is empathetic and who accepts and loves them for, you know, wherever they're at in their in their journey, that mm-hmm. that child has a far has a very good percentage of a chance of thriving in their adult yes. life. Yeah. So yeah. So um, however, so this so the pressure really is on you as a woman because you're if you are separating or divorcing your ex, um, this is their father, and the chances are that the reason that you're doing that is because your ex is not emotionally intelligent. He's not able to empathize. He's not providing what you need and he's probably not providing what the kids need either. Um, You know, maybe he's playing with them and um, interacting with them and, you know, being like fun dad is, is your ex-husband kind of like that? Um, I would say yes. Um, I think that there's a lot of, it's like, there's a whole lot of room, um, for my, my, he's, my son is 14 for him to do whatever he wants. But I think there's also a very hard line, um, to where I think that my son knows that he can't cross that with his dad. And that, that line probably has, um, is anything to do with anything touchy feely. Okay. Right. (laughs) Right. And that's that's just, I mean, that hits the nail on the head. These guys, if they weren't able to connect with their wife, they're probably not able to connect on a really deep level with their kids. So they can have, you know, good conversations around maybe sports or maybe, you know, the weather or like, what did you do in school or whatever. But when it comes to actually discussing like deep feelings of hurt or anger or frustration, they aren't able to connect on that level. So, cause there's something broken inside of the adult parent and then they're just passing on that broken, they're not able to connect. They're passing on that brokenness to their children. So, so not only are you now as a woman going through all of this hell of separating and everything, but, and also dealing with all the fallout of that, like your husband is probably launching a smear campaign. Your church is mm-hmm. maybe questioning you. Your family is maybe questioning you. Everyone's guilt tripping you. You, your faith is falling apart because you're wondering if God doesn't love you anymore and blah, 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 go on and on and on. But also now you've got all these kids who are needy. It doesn't matter what age they are. Mm -hmm. When I separated from my ex, my oldest at the time was 20 and my youngest was one. And so, and I had everything in between nine kids, everything in between. So they all had their own issues. And honestly, my youngest kids did the best. Mm -hmm. They did the best with it. I've got these books from the library. There's lots of books at an elementary grade level that you can check out from the library about separation and divorce for parent of parents. And we read those books and they um, it normalized the experience for them, which is mm-hmm. what you want to do. 
So, I mean, I know that sounds terrible, like normalize something as horrible as this, but this is what you need to do because the kids are just thrown sideways. Yeah. They're just, it's surreal, you know? So you yeah. want, you want them to understand you have the perspective of, you know, a view of life experience under your belt. You've seen, maybe you had friends in high school whose parents were divorced. You watch p- other people get divorced. You know that the divorce, it happens to over 50% of people who are married. So, you know, it's not like this uh, really unusual, strange, bizarre thing. I mean, it's painful and it's horrible, but it's not out of the ordinary. Okay. Mm -hmm. These kids, they don't know anything about that. They they don't know that they, and if they were raised in a religious environment, it's like divorce is anathema, you know, you're, so they're feeling really, this really is surreal. So you want to normalize it for them and explain to them that, you know, this is, this is painful and it's hard, but it's not, it's not, um, it's not high. It's not so unusual. It happens to a lot of people. And as you get older, you'll know a lot of people that have grown up like this. And And it's not the end. It's not the end of like all hope. There's, there's life after this, right? It hurts so much right now. Um, but we're going to, we're going to, um, get through this together and we're going to find a new life and a new normal. And, um, it may not be what we thought it was going to look like, but it can still be good because God's going to be there. We're going to be there. Um, and, and it's going to, you're going to figure it out. And I, I, I do think that's really important, um, though, just to grieve with them because I remember one of the most painful things about my divorce process was, um, first of all, figuring out what was best. Like you were referencing, Natalie, like what is going to be best for my kids? For me, I made the decision that I had to stand up and say the way that this family has operated is, has not okay. Like it's not okay to, to dehumanize another person and call that a relationship. Right. And I didn't want that example anymore. I wanted to, to my son to have the example of standing up and saying, no, no more. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, one of the most painful things was that he told me that he, this was his biggest fear that he, he'd always known that there was, you know, things weren't always great with his dad and I, and that he'd always been just afraid that that was going to happen. And that was like, Oh my, you know, that was just a, a knife in the heart for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I did a lot of very, very serious grieving about that. Um, but I, I do want to say that two years after, um, he's doing well and he, and I have a good relationship and Mm -hmm. there's normal teen things that we go through. Um, but he talks to me because he knows that I am, I I can be talked to about things. Right. So, so he's got that really thankful. He does. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, and that's where it's really important. Well, let me back up. We want to talk about your own health because really your own health, emotional and spiritual health is going to be extremely important for your ability to be able to help your kids. And I know that sounds counterintuitive. It's like, well, I got to reach out and help my kids. I got to spend myself and, you know, die and all of this. Actually, if you do that, you won't be any help to your kids. Your kids Mm -hmm. will be floundering. You are, I know it's not fair that you are the one person in their life and that you're the only one that can do this. And you're going to have to do everything. You're going to have to do all the doctor's visits, all the dentists, all the counseling visits. You know, you, you are on, you're on duty 100% mm-hmm. 
Cause you're, mm-hmm. cause here's the other thing that's going to happen. Your ex or your soon to be ex or your, the dad, dad is going to make this out to be to his kids. This is a catastrophe. This is the end of the world. And your mom is doing this. Your mom is destroying your lives and my life. She's destroying mm-hmm. it. And our lives will never be the same. And the sky is falling. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's going to do that. And your kids are going to be scared. My ex told my oldest daughter, he said, well, I'm just going to have to move to Colorado. We live in Minnesota. I'm just going to have to move to Colorado now because I just can't, I won't be able to afford to live here. Okay. He has, he has, a, he has a, a very excellent paying job with the city of Minneapolis. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But he can't afford to live here. He pay, you know, oh I just, it's, yeah. uh, it's unreal. Um, yeah. he makes twice as three times as much money as I make, but he's going to have to move to Colorado. She, she was terrified. She was yeah. terrified that she wasn't going to see yeah. her dad. And I had to calm her down and say, Hey, your dad is just saying that because he's mad and he's yeah. trying to hurt everybody around him because he's hurting and he wants everyone to be scared. He wants everyone to be mad at me because, you know, cause I'm the one who said no. And, mm-hmm. but don't worry, your dad is not going to move to Colorado. He's just not, yeah. that would be, that would be the worst thing for him. He just won't do it. Plus if he wants to parent, he can't, he can't move mm-hmm. out of state if he wants to parent. So don't worry about it. I know he loves his kids and he wants to parent you guys. He's going to stay. So then that yeah. calmed her down, but she was crying. Right. Oh, he, he told her once that it was all her fault that she, it, she was the cause of our divorce. She came oh in the house after gosh. that. I know. Oh Kelly just sobbing. Her whole body was shaking. She was oh. absolutely, you know, terrified that she was the cause of our divorce. And right. it just caused so much. So yes, they will do this to the kids because again, their whole world revolves around them. They don't care about yeah. you. They don't care about their kids. They don't care about anybody else's emotional health, including their own. All mm-hmm. they care about is it's like kind of like a child. They just care about what they're feeling at the moment and they just lash out at everybody and scare, scare their kids. And so you're going to have to pick up the pieces. And this is very yeah. triggering for you too, because now you're seeing him do to them what he did to you and it makes you angry. It's going to make you yeah. really, really angry and scared because you don't want your kids to go through this. So uh, one important thing is if your insurance will cover it or if you can afford it, it, it's really important that if you can, that your kids are able to access some kind of counseling services and please not Bible counseling services. I'm talking about real therapists that are licensed and trained to help children recover from divorce and any other trauma that they might have experienced. Emotional abuse is extremely, extremely traumatic. It's long-term trauma. It's over a long period of time. And your kids have either watched it happen to you or they have also, and and that is traumatic as well, or they have also experienced themselves a gaslighting and you know, every time your husband or their dad tells them that something didn't happen or that it's, you know, different than the way that they've perceived it to be, that's gaslighting. That's creating a lot of cognitive, that's traumatic mind mapping. It's creating a lot of cognitive dissonance in their minds and confusion. And that in and of itself is extremely traumatizing to a child. Yes. So, um, I think that, oh, go ahead. 
Sounds like you were going to Oh, say. I was just, I was just thinking about how my, my ex-husband told our son that I was, I had gone crazy. And the whole, mm. the whole scenario was that he was the calm, stable one. And that I was just off going crazy, like insane. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I mean, that's had the setup where my, my son said he wanted to live with dad because he needed to take care of dad which is weird because yes, if he's the calm, yes. stable one, then, but, but that was, the, that was the way that worked out. Um, and I didn't, I mean, I was like, you know, I was so hurt by this, of course, but, um, the thing that it wasn't my words that changed my son's mind or, or told him that wasn't the truth. It was my actions over a period of time where he could see, Oh, actually mom is the same person. She's always been, she's, um, she's actually not crazy. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I think there's this desire to like, try to explain ourselves to our kids. Whereas, um, it's the the best course of action is just being there, being stable, being loving Yes, and, and showing them over the long term, um, it's going to be okay. I'm still the same person. I will always love you. I'll always be here with you. Yeah, they need to have that consistent that consistency because they're not getting it from their dad. Another um, example that happened to one of my kids is um, she was five when we separated and then she was seven by the time I filed for divorce. Um, she was um, almost nine. She was nine when by the time the divorce was final. So she was, you know, a grade schooler at the, during the course of this whole process. But when she was five and we separated, she really was kind of oblivious to what was going on. Mm-hmm. But by the time she was seven and I filed for divorce, now she kind of pretty much knows what's going on. And she, uh, she, was feel, she was having chronic stomach pain all the time. She was not herself at all. She was normally a very happy, cheerful, sweet little girl. And she was really down and sad all the time. And that's when I got them into counseling. And then um, one of the things that she told the counselor is she felt, she said, I feel like I have to make my daddy happy. And I don't know how to do that. And I don't feel like I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not able to do that. And she articulated that in her little girl way, but the counselor told her and then told me afterwards, you know, this is what I told her. I said, you are not responsible for your daddy's happiness. You're responsible for your happiness, but you're not responsible for daddy. So your daddy's a big, he's a grown up. If he is sad, he can take a walk. He can call a friend. He can, um, he he can read a good book. He can, she gave him some, her, some ideas of what an adult could do to manage their emotions. Mm-hmm. And then he said, and then she said, it is not a child's responsibility to manage a parent's emotions. Well, mm-hmm. this particular daughter is super emotionally intelligent and intelligent, and she really gets things. And that just immediately clicked with her. Wow. And she completely went back to her normal, the stomach aches went away. She went back to her normal, happy self again. So that worked for her. It just now it is beautiful and it's a great example. Now, not every child is going to respond that way. Some kids just, um, and she's always been able to see the truth for what it is, you know, even with her siblings, when they try to gaslight her or try to, you know, they're not nice. She'll roll her eyes and she'll go, no, that's just a definite no. You know, I'm not buying (laughs) 
you know, she's just uh, so, she's very calm. She's very, she doesn't get hysterical. She doesn't, she's just a really, really smart with it kid. But, um, but my, all of my kids are not like that. Some of them are much more emotional, emotional as far as like just easily triggered. I think they have been more traumatized by things. My older kids definitely struggled far more with the separation and divorce process than my younger kids did. And, um, and the most intense, but they have all come around all, but my oldest, my oldest is still not talking to me. Um, we're praying for him. Yeah. Always. I know a lot of people are praying for him for that relationship. And he actually, yeah. actually believe he just recently told one of my other kids that, um, that I am a fraud. He believes that I am a fraud that I am the liar, that I am playing the other kids. So he actually has the entire narrative twisted upside down. And the kids don't believe it. They don't buy it. They, you know, they're, they don't understand where he's coming from. But he's the one person that isolated from me when, when his dad and I separated. He isolated and he hasn't really communicated with me much well, for the last two years, he hasn't talked to me at all. So there's nothing, there's nothing I can do to, I have to respect that. He's an adult. He's 25. He's married, has his own business. I feel like my only job there is to respect the space that he wants and to hope that someday he will want a relationship with me again. But there's nothing yeah. that I can do about that. Everybody else has come around and um, now I've never, so here's the ironic thing. I don't believe it's healthy to turn kids against one of their parents. That's not healthy. So it wouldn't be healthy for us to say, you know, your dad, he is this and this and this. Now I did some of that when I was first getting out because I yeah. was, uh, I was like a cat in a corner. I was trying, mm-hmm. I had PTSD, like big time symptoms were just, blowing up all over the place. And, Mm -hmm. um, I needed to get therapy for that. But so I was panicking and I was trying, my church was not believing me. People weren't believing me. And I was like, my kids, I can't lose my kids. My kids were my life. They were my whole life revolved around my children. So I was in a panic trying to explain what was going on to my older kids. Um, looking back, I wish I hadn't done that. I, I wish I had done that in a different way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's healthy to pretend to your older kids that nothing is going on because that's not telling the truth. So I think we need to tell the truth, but tell it in such a way that is our, so that we're saying more like, I, rather than trying to convince them of what you've experienced from your husband to be able to say, you know, I'm glad that you have even if they don't have a decent, deep relationship with their dad, they're going to want to th- believe that because that's what mm-hmm. kids want to believe, right? Mm-hmm. You can yeah. say, hey, you know what? I'm glad that you feel really good about your relationship with your dad. That's really important. And I think that um, it's good that you feel that way. That makes me happy. But I don't have a good relationship with him. And my marriage is not about you and your dad. Like you and your dad don't have to get divorced. You can have a great relationship with your dad but I was married to him and a marriage is a very different thing from being, from having a parent. And so that marriage relationship was not healthy and I need to get out of it because after 20 some years, I can't do it anymore. And you don't have to understand why. Um, That's not really your place to understand why. 
So this is what I wish I would have done. But instead I kind of went into some details with my older kids that I shouldn't have yeah. gone into. I shouldn't have laid that on them. That's something that I've regretted that I've apologized for and asked for forgiveness um, for, but I can't change that. You know, we have to move on. We've make mistakes, especially when we're in tra- going through trauma, we make a lot of mistakes. I still yeah. make mistakes because I'm human. You Me know, too. we all make, absolutely. Mistakes. you can always circle yeah. back and say, we're sorry. But, um, but then beyond that, there's nothing more we can do. It's over and done with. But, but I do think it's important to speak the truth. And also, so here, so here's where I'm getting at though. Here's where I'm driving. The kids will come home from their dads and they will have experienced something that really is very, very painful for them. And they're going to tell me about it because they know I'm going to listen and they should have a safe person to tell about it. They should. Okay. They've got to be able to tell someone who's someone who's going to validate their experience and say, so here's what you say. You say, here's what you don't do. You don't go, oh my word, I can't believe it. Yeah, that's so, he's a crazy dad. He's a horrible dad. He's blah, blah, blah. We don't do that. He might be doing that about you, but you don't do that about him. But you also don't say, oh no, I'm sure he would never do that. He's not that. He's an amazing dad. He, he loves <laughs> you. He, you know, no, we don't lie either. So what we do say, we don't put thoughts into their heads, but what we do say is, well, how did that make you feel? Like write that down. You can always yeah. say, how did that, wow, I'm so sorry that happened to you. How did that make you feel? And find out, let them express their emotions. Well, I felt really mad. Well, I felt like really frustrated because he didn't believe me. Well, I Mm -hmm. felt, I just feel like he does this all the time and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to handle it. I feel so angry. And then you validate and you say, I understand why you'd have those kind of emotions. I've experienced those kinds of emotions too. And I'm really, really sorry that you had to go through that. And sometimes that's all it takes. They yes. feel better. They got it off their chest. They feel better. They run and play. Someone listened, someone heard, someone validated, and they're done. They can let it go now. But sometimes they um, stew about it and they might come back to you and want to vent a little bit later and you just listen. But see, that is, that is something that you have to be able to do. And you have to be able to you have to be able to let the truth lay there on the table and you have to let it hurt because that I'm sorry, but the truth pretty much sucks in these situations. It sucks for you and it sucks for them. And it's going to trigger you. It's going to make you angry at him. And if there's something that you can do about it, there have been times when I've been able to say, you know, this is not right. Um, Like for example, they didn't have, didn't have an ability to contact me at one point. So then I had to talk to him about that. Hey, you know what? This is in the divorce decree. They should have the ability to contact me when they're over there. You can't withhold them from doing that. That's not appropriate. That's not appropriate. So I'm their parent. And if they want to contact me while they're there, they should be able to do that and vice versa. It goes Mm -hmm. both ways. Okay. So if you want that same respect, you need to give that same respect to me as well. And um, I recommend using a, an app called Our Family Wizard or Talking Parents so that you have everything on record. Um, another tactic, so some guys will bombard their, their wives with uh, emails and texts and you blank, blank, you blah, 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 and you're this and you're that. And once in a while, I'll get that from him if I've done something he doesn't like. But for the most part, mine is the opposite. He just doesn't say anything. He doesn't respond. Mm -hmm. He doesn't. So 
it's really, really hard to co-parent with people like this because they're not co they're not working with you. They're actually either undermining you overtly with attacks or they are undermining you covertly by not communicating with you, by not reading your texts, by not responding to things that you need to discuss about the children that you are co-parenting. So some people have called it, and they have renamed it parallel parenting. So you're not co-parenting because you can't really work together with this person, which is really, really sad. It's sad for the kids. This is not in the best interest of the kids to have one parent who's not willing to co-parent with you. But nevertheless, that's the reality of it. But you can parallel parenting. So picture two people walking side by side you hand over the kids to them and then they're parenting kind of on their own because they're not involving you. And then they pass the kids back to you and then you're parenting without the co-parenting skills of the other parent. It's sad, but you can do it. And at least here's the, my, my most uh, comforting thing about this. And I think that it's really healthy is that instead of 24 seven being in a toxic environment, they're only in that kind of environment um, for a shorter period of time. Mm -hmm. And then they can come to your environment and hopefully you're creating safe spaces where there can be deep conversations, where we can talk about our emotions, where we're not shamed for crying. We're not shamed for being angry. We're not shamed for being human, for experiencing human things. We're actually encouraged we're validated, we're loved, we're accepted just the way we are. We can have a meltdown and we don't, we're not shamed and told you're a bad boy. You're, you know, you can't be like that and you better do what I say or, or I'm going to, you know, give you the silent treatment or whatever the case might be. No, we have a, they have a place where they're not experiencing that. And that sets them up to see the difference. Now at, over the course of time, they, especially as they get older, they will be able to see and also experience the difference. And I read, so I'm kind of blabbing on here, but I, 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 re, I learned that there's something called, um, it's called child-focused mediation. And one of the things that they do to find out how kids are doing in both homes is the psychologist will hold up pictures. Like, how are you feeling in this home? And they'll hold up pictures of a sad person or a scared person or a happy person. And then the children describe their feelings. So instead of being having to describe what they're experiencing, because with covert, covert passive-aggressive abuse, the incidents are so hard to describe. You know, they're, they're so tiny and they don't really like my, one of my daughters who's living with him right now full time, um, which I won't go into why, but she said to me, I don't feel like I can call the mental health people because I don't think they'll under, if I just explained this one incident, they'll be like, well, what's the big deal about that? But, but she feels, you know, she's depressed. She feels sick inside. She's cause she's dealing with this on a regular basis. So so what um, these psychologists will do is they'll find out not what's happening there. That's too hard to describe, but how do you feel over there? How are you right. feeling? Do you feel overall in general, do you feel safe? Do you feel happy? Do you feel loved? Do you feel secure? And if you're not feeling safe, happy, loved, and secure, then there's something wrong in that environment. You don't have to be able to articulate what it is. There's just, there, there just is definitely something wrong. 
Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I think I've rambled on. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> um, so going back to when you were talking about how, you know, your oldest son and how, you know, his, he has this completely twisted idea of who you are and, and what you've done here. I think I want to, I want to just share with our listeners some advice you gave me back when I was struggling with this whole thing of, of what to do about my son and, and just the pain, the overwhelming amount of pain that comes when you're trying to process what's going to be best for them. Um, I had at that point surrendered my marriage, right? Surrendered the outcome of my marriage, um, to the Lord. But what you told me was you need to surrender that boy to Jesus. And I realized I, that was the one thing I hadn't done. And after I did that, it was such a freeing experience. That's what, that's, that's what Jesus does is he sets us free. Um, because I, um, that's, that's what we're called to do. We are stewards, you know, we're, we're, we're the parents we've, we've been given a responsibility to them, but they're not ours. they they belong to the Lord and we can only do this in conjunction with the Lord. It's not in our own power. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, putting, starting with surrender and, and giving their lives over and, and asking, um, for God's will here and, and just letting go, uh, is, is the best way to help them. And the best, one of the most loving things we can do on their behalf. It's, it's counterintuitive, but, um, right. it is so important. Right. I, I want to add to, I think before, cause we should probably wrap this up, but before we close, I just want to explain some things that, cause you, you're going to feel like, well, now I got to do everything and you kind of do, but there are some things that you're not responsible for. And I think it's important yes. to understand what you are responsible for with these kids and what you aren't responsible for. And this goes along with what Rachel just said, because we do, we can only do what we can do. Right. So mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus has to fill in those gaps that we're not able to, um, that we're not able to fix in their lives. Um, and then we didn't really talk about self-care either, but we've talked about that in the past. But so go back to like uh, Sarah McDougall did a. Oh, it was great. Did a, was great yeah, she did podcast. a podcast on self-care. So go back to that. And that would be like the foundation for taking care of yourself. And then out of that strength and that um, place of safety for yourself, then you'll be able to do help your kids more. But anyway, here's some things that you are responsible for. You're responsible to love them, obviously. You're responsible to set up boundaries for them. You're responsible to give them a healthy parent who has healthy boundaries. So when you're working on that for yourself, that's a gift that you're giving, not just to yourself, but you're actually giving a gift to your children by modeling having healthy boundaries, modeling being able to say, no, you can't treat me like that. Or no, I can't do that right now. Um, because your kids are going to grow up thinking that it, the, the, otherwise they're going to grow up thinking, well, in order for me to be loved and accepted, or in order for me to be a valuable human being in this world, I have to say yes to everybody. and I have to make everyone mm-hmm. happy. No, that's a complete and total lie. You're responsible mm-hmm. for being their guardian and offering protection and safety for them. You're responsible for managing their health, managing their, you know, their uh, appointments, managing um, you know, any other extra things that you have to do as far as school and that kind of thing. Um, you're responsible for being a source of good things for them. And you're responsible for setting up rules and consequences. You're responsible for providing them with security. And you're responsible for maintaining your own personal life. But here's what you're not responsible for. 
you are not responsible for their feelings and emotions. Okay. You're not, they, feelings and emotions come to us. They happen to us because of things that, you know, they, they come to us, but you're, so in other words, what I'm saying is yes, you'd be responsible if you, you know, if you're screaming at them, obscenities at them, obviously that's going to cause a lot of emotions <laughs> in them. And yes, you will be responsible for that. I'm talking about emotions like, okay, you guys, it's time for us to do our Saturday morning chores. Oh, and they're, you know, they're upset, they're angry, <laughs> they're mad, they're frustrated. Okay, you're not responsible for that. So yeah. you might feel guilty, like, oh, my word, I'm just making my kids unhappy. Um, no, nope, you're not responsible for that. Um, you're, respo- you're not responsible for keeping your kids straight and abstinent, okay? You can teach them good morals and you can teach them good, <laughs> good uh, just protocols in that area, but you can't make them. You can't force them to not go and do things that you don't want them to do. So don't feel guilty if they go do stuff that they're not supposed to do. Now you are responsible for setting up boundaries and for implementing consequences. So if the boundary is that, you know, curfew is 10 o'clock and they're staying out till two o'clock with their boyfriend or girlfriend doing things that you don't approve of, well, you're responsible not for the things that they're doing, but you're responsible for that curfew. Like they weren't home at 10. So now they can't go out for the next two weeks or whatever. All right. Or you, you know, so anyway, I won't go into, we don't want to get into details, but you're not responsible for their school performance or their grades. So sometimes, you know, like my school, the kids' private school will always send me emails about, you know, make sure that your kids do this and make sure that your kids do that. And I'm like, uh, sorry, if my kids don't get good grades because they didn't do their homework, then they shouldn't get good grades. <laughs> so my kids all get pretty good grades because they know they're on duty when it comes to homework. I'm not going to do their homework for them. I mean, I'll help them, but I'm not going to do it for them. And I'm not going to say you now. Yes. With my little kids. Yes. I will help them learn good study habits, but my older kids, no, they're on their own. You're not responsible for their future vocation. You're not responsible for any consequences that they experience outside of the home. So if they get picked up by the police, cause they're doing drugs, you're not responsible for that. Um, I had one of my daughters who's got lots of prob- emotional problems. She physically, um, well, she has physically assaulted me many times, but finally called the police on her and she got arrested. She was taken away. It's on her record now and we're working to get it off her record. But if you physically assault someone, you get arrested for that. And that's what happens. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. So I called the police because I finally decided, you know what? This isn't right. I'm not going to do this anymore. You're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me. You're going to get arrested for it. Um, you're not responsible for their social life or for their choice of friends. So this kind of relieves some of the burden, but I think that we cross their boundaries when we try to, um, when we try to control a lot of those, that outside, as they get older, we need to release some of that control. We control what's mm-hmm. in, what they do inside of our home. But beyond that, we don't really have a whole lot of control. And mm-hmm. we get angry and scream and yell because you shouldn't have blah, 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 but we don't really implement any consequences for it. That's not appropriate either. But see mm-hmm. what you're going to be tempted to do. And the reason why I'm touching on this is you're going to be tempted to feel so guilty that you've brought this separation or divorce into their lives that you're going to want to make up for it by, you know, giving them everything they want and making them happy in other ways. Well, kids will manipulate that. They'll use that to their advantage. So anyway, so here I'm going to end with some book recommendations. Why don't you tell them yours? Cause you were telling me about a book that you're loving. 
uh, Boundaries with Teens is fantastic. I actually just had to break it out the other day and reread it because um, we had, there was a few things on the report card I wanted to um, address, but um, I, I needed some reminder about how to deal with that. And so um, thanks for saying that about the grades not being a responsibility because it is easy to get, you know, to feel shame or whatever if they're not yeah. doing meeting their potential, like bring that upon yourself, but that's their choices. And they need to learn how to deal with these things. Yep. Um, so boundaries with teens by Dr. John Townsend, fantastic book. And they have another one called boundaries with kids. And I have that one. That's also a very good book. So if you have younger kids, um, you know, below the pre the tween age, um, that, that would be a good book to get. Another book is the emotionally, um, Oh, it's, uh, Raising an Emotionally Intelligent Child by John Gottman. That's an excellent book. Another Mm. excellent book is Beyond Consequences, Logic, and Control by Heather Forbes. Actually, there's one that's called Beyond, you know, what is it called? Oh, there's two volumes. So you can get both of them if you want to, or you can start with the first one, then move to the next one. But anyway, Beyond Consequences, Logic, and Control by Heather Forbes. Um. And I think that's, maybe I will just end with that. I think the, the only other thing I'd recommend is um, there is a great website called, what is it called? It's a Big Kids Journal. Hold on, let me see if I can find the exact website here. Big Kids Journal. I should have done this ahead of time, but. Oh, big, I'm sorry. It's the Big Life Journal for kids. So it's www dot biglifejournal.com and they actually have an amazing podcast that they just started they just did episode three so if you go to um if you go to the pot your podcast app if you have one if you listen to this podcast you're probably liking their podcast you probably will love their podcast it's called the big life kids podcast and they have like downloadables you can sign up to get their printables and then you can do these podcasts with your kids and what they teach is emotional intelligence and resiliency and it teaches Mm. your kids how to bounce back from hard things how to interact with other people how to have good relationships with themselves and other people it is an amazing resource so I highly recommend that and I think we've got to close now because we have gone way over our time but thank you Rachel for coming on thank you And to the rest of you, you know what I think we'll do? I think our next podcast, I might just, I think we'll do another one on this parenting thing. Um, Because I have a lot that I wanted to talk about that we didn't even get to. So our next podcast will just be part two. So this is part one. We'll do part two next time. And until then, fly free. Fly free.